1: Good morning. Today is a wonderful day. Welcome to the Energy Newsbeat podcast. I'm Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. We're going to have a really nice conversation with Ian Niebuhr. And I mean, he is from Inveris. And as everybody knows, I'm really fond of Inveris. If you got to make a decision, you need data. If you need data, go to Inveris. Now, here's the other thing. We're going to talk ESG. And I love ESG. Ian, thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Thanks so much for having us.
1: You know, I've I've already started off. This is about round three of our starting on this. So thanks for being patient.
0: (laughs) No worries. No worries. It's it's great that we're getting this done.
1: Hey, uh, just want to give everybody a shout out. We were at the uh, Inveris Evolve event uh, two weeks ago, and it was a blast. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on being in person again, besides not being in uh,
0: COVID It was it was great. I mean, I think we all long for that, that social and human interaction and, and events like that just highlight that over and over again to me. I think the second thing is just seeing how the industry continues to evolve. And I mean, it's partially intended, but like to see the spectrum of everything from power and renewables to the importance of sustainability ESG to the, the space, uh, where analytics has taken us within sort of the hydrocarbon the carbon and EMP space, uh, and how much has changed in the last couple of years, like you get together and you really do get this, this benchmark or timestamp of how far we've come and how much has changed in, in this period of lockdown and you know kind of restriction.
1: You know, and uh, there's a lot of things that, boy, I I was so appreciative of John and all of the Enveris team just really having fun. I mean, it was everybody was just excited and was just a lot of fun. But you're the vice president. And and when you talk about what are your job, you're up in Canada. And I believe you're up there with Dane as well, too. And some of the other folks tell us about what you do uh, for Enveris.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I've spent most of my time as part of what we would call the intelligence team last decade or so. So, I mean, our origins are serving institutional clients, corporate clients, trying to sort of help folks understand and navigate the energy space and you know, right. what risk they're undertaking, what what might be their blind spots, what's changing, what's you know what's at the margin... Most recently, that focus has kind of shifted from the conventional EMP and the macro space into you know, how the sustainability and ESG issues are affecting our clients and, and energy actors in general, and how we can build products, you know, on this great SaaS platform to support their evolution and their, their engagement and you know, ultimate embracing of, of ESG as a business driver.
1: You know, some of the things that are just amazing is uh, I've always felt ESG is critical. I've always felt that, but there's also no ESG without accountability. And technology is changing, isn't it?
0: It totally is, and we're seeing the accountability on a multiple set of fronts. And I think you're probably thinking about, and a friend of mine right now is like satellite tech and others that lets us inspect emissions. But we're seeing that accountability across that E S N G, whether it's on the governance front and profitability, and ensuring that you know these businesses are good, viable, going concern businesses. You're seeing it on the social front and how we relate to our employees and you know the the citizenry and the societies that we participate in. But of course the environmental emission stuff is is sort of one of those hot topic, front of center horizons as well that we're, we're all very focused on.
1: Well, when you when you talk about Inveris and you talk about the data solutions, I mean it's just like um, I was. I mean, you sit back and take a look at all of the well data. You take a look at all of the electricity data. You talk about power. You got to have the data. And I mean, you guys are fanned out everywhere. What's the breadth of your division looking at ESG? What do you cover? Do you cover all markets? Uh, it's It's most
0: focused, I think, around that energy space. And so okay. if you think about what we cover from like industry verticals, and you hit it on like PNR, uh, EMP, and the rest. It, right. it, we have almost like a digital twin of of the industry, like a great descriptive and predictive analytics set to tell you what's right. happening and where. And you, you combine that with these ESG metrics that you can layer on top of it, from poised source emitters to rates of change to you know the S and G performance factors. I think it's kind of like combining all that into a decision space. So if somebody's trying to navigate it, allocate capital, choose where they want to participate they want to participate right. where the opportunities are um it, it all kind of comes together but that's that's where we're focused uh not to say we won't do more there's some of these things that extend naturally but our right. focus is very much across that that energy envelope
1: so what are some of your key focal points uh in the next 30 to 60 days that you're looking at
0: key focal points in the next 30 to 60 days well i think and we're going to get a little bit more Information on the SEC ruling uh, and suggestions of where we're headed there, in, in that sort of very short time horizon, so that's exciting, um, interesting, likely to be bogged down a little bit with challenge, but you know, something right. we're keeping a very close eye on the macro environment and energy security and how things progress, you know, especially with potential sanctions and, and lockouts of you know <laughs> Russian gas and oil, that's going to shape the market and perhaps Man. shift the priority list. And then I think looking at the technology frontier, I mean, even on a thirty and sixty day horizon, like you're getting new things coming out and becoming visible very quickly like we heard it evolved that you know what we thought was the top methane tech 30 mil or 30 meter resolution might get replaced and get tested with seven meter resolution in the next few months here so it's it's a lot of different dimensions and it's probably one of the more exciting times to be in energy
1: you know and and one of the things that i just found so in is blockchain and being able to track Everything through accountability. I, I heard some of that there, and it was just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: that's another one. If we go to the problem set here, it's it's chain of custody of something that's you know already pretty hard to measure with with high accuracy, pretty hard to to monitor the the transactions through the space. So things like blockchain and other technologies that let right. you see the daisy chain of custody and understand what what not just your own ESG profile is, but also right. the the shadow upstream and downstream of your operations might look like,
1: you know, and I uh, kind of alluded to Russia and I'm so disgusted with Putin, even though I do a lousy imitation of him. Um, you know, it's it was more like uh, people were accusing me of sounding like uh, the Sopranos or the Godfather rather than, you know, an evil man. But we'll leave that alone. So when you sit back and take a look at all of the other countries that do not adhere, Canada does a great job with its regulations and trying to produce fossil fuels in the best way possible. They've got some good regulations. They've got some other ones. And then you take a look at the U.S. We're trying. I mean, you know, there's really some good, uh, you know, they're trying to take care of the environment. It's coming a long way with everything. But you look at Saudi Arabia, you look at Iran, you look at Iraq, you look at all these other uh, Russia, all these other ones around the world, and they do not care about the ESG factor as well, too. Wouldn't you want to buy more oil and energy from folks that are paying attention to the ESG stuff?
0: Yeah. And I don't want to get too much of like the more ethical arguments. Certainly, we have a bias that (laughs) these are important. I mean, energy is important to the quality of life and responsibly sourcing that is also important and has a huge impact on that quality of life. Uh, so that's one aspect. I think the other aspect too is like you talked about accountability and transparency and the ability to right. interrogate what's actually going on. A lot of these areas, it's just sort of like a black box. The absence of information makes it easier to give uh, certain activities a free pass because it's just right. not visible. And you know, if we think about one of the opportunities I think that comes with it is how do we engage with the various stakeholders that are impacted by you know the, the trade-offs of an exploitive industry in wow. a way to say like, here's what's beneficial. Here's what the costs are. Here's a way that we can actually say that in a sort of an honest, independent, objective way. I think that conversation is going to evolve very quickly as, as that accountability, as that transparency comes to bear at a global scale. It's not perfect, but you know, I'm hopeful and I think we're hopeful that the conversations that have been challenging for the industry maybe get a little bit easier because there's sort of a common set of facts to work with.
1: You know, and so you're when you're working with ESG, it's going across uh, a lot of the different product sets for the folks that don't know in you have a bunch of different products solving a bunch of different problems. So Mm -hmm. how does the ESG work with all the different products? If you're the vice president of the ESG area, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I guess we're all trying to make sense of it. (laughs) Oh, cool. Think about <laughs> you think about the you think about the world, like I guess there's a bunch of different dimensions we can think about. And right. so a lot of the solutions that we have today are, are centered around certain cohorts or or, right. or problem spaces that make sense. Um, but to your point, like ESG tends to like cross-sect a lot of those, right. those elements. And I think that's where we also see opportunities, like With the breadth of our organization, it it really does cover the scope of most energy entities' business, and they're struggling to figure out how to cross boundaries that maybe were, you know, natural boundaries in the past, but now have to be crossed. And so, uh, I think we take it as an opportunity to to solve a problem internally that also is a you know a customer problem and an industry problem.
1: Well, you know, and it's it's kind of like when you're measuring CO two or methane or anything that. It really does go across many different uh, energy sectors Mm -hmm. because you'll be upstream, downstream, but you're also going to have electrical uh, EMP uh, radiate. You're going to have everything in different areas that the products do need to require methane monitoring or uh, anything else. So how do you, how do you recommend standards? There's no standards out there for ESG. So some people can't even spell it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, 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 (laughs) it's probably almost the opposite where there's a lot of standards. So there's a lot of different rubrics out there. And again, the the challenge is that there's so many and they're inconsistent. The opportunity is like learning how to engage with those in a productive way. And I think, you know, when we, when we look at one of the big risks or opportunities is that for every entity that has to report or has their own metrics, or is it going through this process, right. um, there, there's going to be 50 other metrics and I, ways of looking at it that someone else is going to interrogate their business with and figuring out how to cope with that, you know, that conversation that's on so many different fronts is, is right. difficult. And I think where we can provide, you know, a common understanding, and this is something we've done for years in a lot of different spaces. It's like, you don't have to think our, our view is the perfect view, but it's at least an independent and hopefully transparent and neutral view that most people can start their conversation from. And people, you know, we've, we've seen oh. clients and customers base deals on that. Like it's not my view. It's not their view. It's like, here's a common starting point. I, I think the ESG space is similar that, you know, if we can be objective and do a good job of the analytics and be transparent of where the flaws and, and strengths are. Maybe that's a place where we can have productive conversations to move forward. And, and ultimately, that's what we're all trying to do is like, how do we get better? Not necessarily the absolute level, but how do we get better each and every day?
1: You know, Ian, I just applaud you on that comment because uh, I love being able to throw that out there and say, hey, here's a starting point. So many times you get into a discussion, there's not even a starting point. It's easier to have a starting point.
0: Yeah. You got something to negotiate off of from there. And then you know, yeah. all these things are, I think, we're in a world of trade-offs, and what ESG does, as much as yep. anything, I think, is introduce a set of very real trade-offs, but ones that maybe haven't always had to be contemplated right. or with stakeholders that maybe always haven't had as strong a an influence on decision-making. And net-net, and that's probably a positive, but right. it makes decision-making so much more complex.
1: And and so everybody has a understanding of environmental in their mind. Uh, but governance, how does that portion, because governance can be, uh, how does the company ethically do things to board members and everything else? So how do you look at that part of the
0: ESG? Oh, geez. Uh. <laughs>
1: that was a fun question. <laughs> yeah, I, No, I think you're
0: right. Like, if you think about ethically, if you, if I would just still it, if we step back a little bit further, it, it's about. You know, doing right by your stakeholders. And right. what we're finding and thematically is that that suite of stakeholders are perhaps more broadly represented than in the past. Right. And what's right is it's still open a little bit for interpretation because there are some trade offs there. But uh, yeah. I think those conversations are getting more objective. And, you know, Arjun made a great comment at Evolve too. Like, just being profitable as a business, as a board of directors, like, that's part yeah. of good governance. But so is, you know, ethically sourcing your materials and making sure, right. you know, who your counterparties are and having the right processes in place. And, you know, we've heard in other dimensions, like maybe good governance just means that you've got the right process to pay on time and to be able to actually respond and answer quickly and accurately with what's going on inside your organization when there is a quick criticism or question. Um, so there's just so many dimensions, depending on who the stakeholder is. I think we can get at it and measure, but you know, net net, this is leading to professionalizing and improving the way we operate these businesses.
1: Yeah, and and you always sit back and kind of wonder how politicians uh, go in poor and everybody comes out rich. So we need to get governance somehow into our political structures. And I'm going to go ahead and leave that one alone. That's supposed to be a little bit of Friday humor for everybody. But uh, you know, if you want to get rich, be a politician. I, I guess is the only way to really say that. But uh, let's get back to ESG. When you take a look at your next year, so we've come a long way in, in this past year. I mean, it's really, like you said, it's really teed up. What are your plans for next year?
0: Uh, I mean, it's a place that we're focused and we're investing heavily on. And so you could point to probably at least three different dimensions. Okay. Um, So one horizon is just around what we call ESG analytics, uh, the foundation of that is, is, is publicly sourced data. So disclosures, what's visible through sort of okay. remote detection, etc. And this lets you benchmark and have a common understanding of the landscape. It's really, really valuable when you tie it up with the, right. the rest of our products suite, And that's where you know, a lot of decision makers kind of look. Um, so that's one. The second one that we're going to do, and we are starting to do a lot more of, is, is looking at sort of the the internal operational pieces. So we've got a great business automation business that you know right. sees about sixty percent of, of North American EMP spend flow through that network. Uh, but when you're tracking dollars in that sort of customer proprietary data set, there's a lot of things we can marry with that and help you understand and explore your environmental footprint and your governance procedures and you know just how the dollars flow alongside the sort of customer proprietary data. That's a big bucket of of area that we'll do and are right. doing a lot more of over the next year. And then the third is just thinking about that carbon economy and that you know we can look at energy on a bunch of different bases from a dollar and energy or molecule basis, uh, right. but also on a carbon or emissions profile. And and given the degree of pricing and taxation and incentives around that, uh, you know, there's a whole sub ecosystem there that. That um, creates opportunities, but also real costs into into these organizations. So we'll we'll do a lot more there too.
1: You know, you brought up a great point, and that is uh, I mean, that is is so many of your counterparts at Inveris have a product to sell. A product is a lot easier than a font process or I mean the ESG product itself is not really, I mean, it's not as easy to sell, is it? Uh, I don't know. I, I would challenge that. I think that
0: you know. ESG as a theme has multiple sort of products through it. Right. Uh, we certainly have a couple different um, quote unquote ESG products in the market that are, are doing really well and influence different things, but you know, kind of backing up to your, your view is like, yeah, it is a workflow. It is a process. And I think the entire embarrass organization is really built around. Let's understand what those big workflows are and how do we, provide that sort of fulcrum element in that process that's really hard or really valuable or would be best achieved at scale or sort of some sort of consistency that we can do uniquely. Um, and I think ESG is, is no different. Like we're not going to try and do every single thing in that process, but right. um, we're probably able to do some things that that really impact our clients in a way they would never do on their own and the way that our competitors just simply can't.
1: I'm going to also ask, and, and I'll tell you, this has been really, really cool. Uh, but what are some of your personal goals for next year? Personal goals.
0: I think there's a couple. I, in, in each of those three big buckets, make sure right. that the product evolution is... We can point to like a really tangible step. And that right. tangible step is both, yes, we want market success. But I think to really be able to articulate and explain and illustrate with more examples than we have today, that right. this is better business this is a way that drives profitability and is allows you to differentiate how your business operates within a larger commodity environment um, we really believe that's the possibility and potential of adopting this it's not just about esG it's about nice. improving your business and i think on you know both your analytics side as well as your business automation side like there's some really big and obvious things we can do and i hope a year from now um, they look obvious to others.
1: I'll tell you what, what a great answer, Ian. I'll tell you, that was kind of, first I thought you were going to fall off of your chair there. You know, I hope I didn't like surprise I you. I not
0: thought that. too much about my goals for the next year, but you know, I had to say it quite as distinctly as that.
1: Oh, you did great. I was like, man, that's a good one. And uh, that was an outstanding uh, answer back. So thank you very much. And Ian, I'll tell you, thank you for taking time to stop by our podcast today. I had an absolute blast. And uh, I'm going to have to bug you again to uh, see you again when we check in on your uh, changes or any
0: updates there for you. Please do. Uh, we really appreciate the time and always enjoy conversations like this. This was super fun. It
1: sounds great great